You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton, Dylan Terriman, and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. I am joined tonight by my co-host, Alex Varallo. Dylan will not be able to join us. But as you know by now, as I'm sure you've all heard, it has finally happened. The New York Jets have traded quarterback Sam Darnold just a few years after his arrival. He was going to be the savior. He was going to help this, this, this atrocious franchise rise from the ashes and become a consistent contender because we finally had a guy. He was the top-rated quarterback in the draft. NFL.com said his pro comp was Andrew Luck. Tony Romo said he was going to be a top-five quarterback. Everybody loved the pick, minus one or two people. And it all fell apart in just, I mean, really, by the middle of year two, you thought, oh, boy, here we go. Uh, Terrible circumstances, terrible coaches, atrocious talent. And listen, I wrote an article earlier, and I started it off by saying, look, there is no scientific equation that allows us to determine just how much of all of the failures of the Jets' offense of the last few years, how much falls on Darnold, how much falls on the coaching, how much falls on the talent. But what we do know is that the coaching, listen, here's what Sam Darnold did. He got drafted by the Jets. He came in with a defensive-minded head coach who hired some dude out of the woods to run his offense for him. He then saw that coach get fired. The coach went back out into the woods, the offensive coordinator, Jeremy Bates, who'd only had one year as an offensive coordinator in the NFL under his belt, and that was an absolute disaster in Seattle where almost every offensive player on that team had career lows in every significant uh, statistical category. Bates goes, you bring in Adam Gase, a guy who just think there's a reason why Adam Gase doesn't have a job right now, and it's because he shouldn't have a job. He shouldn't have had a job last year. Peyton Manning got him hired. He had no idea what he was doing. His offensive coordinator is best known for looking like Kevin James, and we saw Donald regress at a level that was just heartbreaking for Jets fans to have to sit through. And then... Sam Darnold, he was a guy. Sam Darnold was a better player the first day he stepped on an NFL football field against the Detroit Lions as a rookie than he was after three NFL seasons. The throws into double coverage, the throws into triple coverage, not seeing the whole field, open receivers running around and not getting the ball delivered on time, taking unnecessary sacks, running out of bounds instead of throwing the ball away. He was making so many rookie mistakes that it was – The trade was inevitable. I'm not here to say that Sam Darnold will never become a really good quarterback in this league or a very good quarterback, but the Jets had to make this deal. When you are, if the Jets had the 10th pick in this draft, you keep Sam Darnold. It's that simple. If they had the ninth pick, even if they had the sixth pick, you might stay put. 
with Sam and go forward. But you were in a position to draft his replacement. You had interest from other teams. And as I've said before on this show, if you roll with Sam next year and he improves a little bit, well, maybe he improves just enough that you're no longer in position to get his replacement. But he's also not good enough to invest in long-term, so you have no quarterback. So the Jets had no choice. I said this months ago. I know we've gone through every scenario. You know, I've bounced around between keep him, let him go, keep him, let him go. But, you know, the, I wrote the article a couple months ago, and some people got on me, and I talked about it on this show. When you separate the emotion and the potential from just looking at the facts, you can't pass on a QB at two because you hope the broken QB can be fixed. Because if he can't, you then don't have him or his replacement, and you're not in a position to get one. So Sam's gone. The deal makes sense. But, Alex, my question for you, right out of the gate, does this worry you in the sense, and we talked about this previously, when, you know, when we were hearing from people like Albert Breer that there were eight teams who were interested in Sam Darnold. Now, listen, Matt Rule isn't Bill Belichick. He doesn't have a million rings. He doesn't have one ring. Joe Brady has only been in his job for a couple years, but as a guy in his early 30s, was already getting head coaching interviews this offseason. So both highly respected guys, and they thought enough of Sam Darnold to give up a two next year, a four next year, a six this year, and $20 million to Sam Darnold. They picked up his 50-year option to pay him $20 million. Those are three guys or two guys who are betting heavy on Sam Darnold. And that's with Teddy Bridgewater under contract with a ton of guaranteed money. So they clearly think a lot of Sam Darnold while the Jets have said, you know what, we're going to walk away from this kid now. Does that worry you, Alex, that another team is willing to give up a premium pick, a four and a six and 20 million for a guy that the Jets think isn't good enough to be their quarterback? Yeah, it, I mean, first off, how did we get here, right? Um, you know, looking back on this whole scenario, how this whole thing played back, and, you know, we're we're not supposed to be here is how I feel, but here we are. Um, we were supposed to go through the rigors of – you know, developing a young quarterback, and, and this is supposed to be the year where, you know, Sam was supposed to be taking his step. So it's very odd that, you know, things can happen and unravel so fast in this league. And I think, you know, as far as the trade is is concerned, um, you know, I feel that, you know, I think we talked about this about a week ago, um, Glenn, you and um, – uh, and Dylan and I on our group chat, and we were saying at this point, you know, Jets can't get too greedy here. And if, if someone gives you an offer that's legitimately decent, and even if it's, you know, on the back end where, you know, it would be a 2022 compensation and we get a little something for this year, pull the trigger, and then days later, look what happened. So we had an issue with this young quarterback. Uh, I feel like this team did not put together the right plan for him, uh, you know, and, and it's kind of interesting because 
when he came into the league, you know, I, I remember being slandered by multiple media outlets and retweeted and, and ridiculed, uh, you know, about certain things. And, and my whole premise was that, you know, Sam Darnold was very raw. You need a good plan for him. You need a good quarterback coach. And it probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have him sit back and learn and be a student of the game for a little bit and let Josh McCown, you know, go out there and take the lumps of a really, really poor football team and just kind of show him how you get, get through adversity. But we threw Sam Darnold in the deep end. We hoped that he could learn on the go and develop on the go. Um, like you said, Glenn, uh, we took a guy that, you know, was out, you know, becoming one with nature, going out on, on hikes and things like that and walked away from the game and then came back and we handed him the keys himself. to our offense. And, you know, there was some play near the end of the rookie year where, where Darnold was showing some promise as a prospect. But then right after that, we pulled the rug out on that entire front office. We remixed everything and in, in, in bring in a new coordinator. We bring in a new head coach. And, you know, this is kind of the, the, the problem with this, this team here is that we haven't developed our players. We haven't developed our team in the right way. We haven't had the proper game plan put in place. So clearly our, we have our answer about whether, you know, Solomon before felt like, you know, can we go forward with Sam Darnold and be a successful franchise? That question has been answered. They feel that maybe there's too many wrongs to right with him right now and it'd be better starting anew with a younger, fresher quarterback, even though that's just as equally as risky as my opinion, maybe even more so. But that's the direction that they're going. Um, you know, I, I feel bad for Sam. I feel like we didn't do, you know, th- this team did not do right by him. Um, and But there, there's a lot of alarming things that you brought up about, you know, his process, the things he does in the pocket, the turnovers, Um kind of going backwards rather than going forward and learning from his previous mistakes. A lot of things, you know, that we talked about at length on this show and that you hear all around the media um, world pertaining to Jets that, you know, Darnold, we know what Darnold is as of today. We didn't know what he was back in 2017 or 2018 whenever we drafted him. But we know now what he is. And what he is now is not exactly what we need, I guess, for the future of this team. So we've gotten that part done. Now we have to, to hope that Joe Douglas and Sala and LaFleur all get the right guy at number two uh, come, come April 29th. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad that they got something done. Um, it's not great for this year, but you look at next year and 11 picks, a lot of premium stuff going on with those picks. So we have an opportunity to, to maybe build something great here. So you take a bad situation, and we're going to try to turn it into something good here. So, so long, Sam, as the title of our show is, bittersweet. Um, wish the kid nothing but luck. Uh, wish it would have worked out here because we would have easily been able to build a team with a successful young quarterback um, with the number two pick. Um, but, you know, that's not the case, um, and that's not the scenario here. Um, I'm also seeing we got a caller in the studio here. So I'll wrap up my, my, my fresh take on Sam Darnold here. But, uh, you know, maybe the best for all parties here. And, um, you know, like I said, wish nothing but the best for Sam moving forward. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And we'll get to the phones in one second. That's going to be Rich from North Carolina, who 
He's one of our regulars. Oh, we appreciate him calling in. Thanks a lot, Rich. Uh, Thanks, real Rich. quick, the, uh, the number one thing Donald has on his side um, is his youth. He still, you know, we remember when he started that first game, it was highly publicized that he was the youngest starting quarterback in the history of the modern era. So he's still a young guy. I get it. Still has talent. I get it. He's coachable, likable. I get it. I wish him well. But as I said, you can't take a guy who's regressed and potentially broken and risk your your job on it and tell the owner we're yep. going to keep this guy. Because if you tell the owner you're keeping this guy, you're telling him you're keeping him because you can win with him. If you go out and have a 6-11 and 11 season, it's going to get real weird getting used to doing the math on a 17-game season. You go out and you have a 6-11 and 11 season, and now you're picking yep. 14th, <laughs> and you're at a range of getting a quarterback unless you want to give up three or four or five firsts, now what do you do? You're gonna, are you back to where you're the team that's always signing middling, struggling journeymen who are no good? Uh, not ideal. We'll have more on this, but let's, uh, let's go to the phones real quick and talk to Rich here in North Carolina. Rich, how you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, just to remind everybody, Southern Jet NC on Twitter if you want to follow me. Um, Hey, you know, I'm I'm feeling great and, and, and I'm gonna you know, at first you get all bummed out like that Kim question at the end of Joe's uh, I felt like, you know, it was a lifetime movie, we're gonna all cry there for that last question about don't you feel bad about letting the puppy go. But here's the bottom line. <laughs> you know, two teams that are versed in the Shanahan scheme passed on Sam. The 49ers didn't trade for him, and the Jets traded him. That's very telling to people. If you, that's what we call peel the onion. You know, you look at that. You know, these people aren't stupid. They would have kept him or traded for him if they thought he could job done in this scheme. The other thing is, Glenn, I sent you a link, and hopefully you can share because more people will see it if you do. It'll make everybody feel better. I think one of the smartest X and O's quarterback in history is Steve Young. And Steve Young, I picked up an article and a radio interview he just did a little while ago in San Francisco. A 30-minute interview is in this article. Steve Young is – and forget that they both went to BYU. That doesn't mean anything. But, you know, he, again, is adamant about the main thing for a quarterback – is your progressions, your reading, the pocket, and mobility. And he, he, he's, caught, he's connected to the 49ers. You know, he works, does radio and all that stuff. He said that Zach Wilson was their number one pick. That's who they wanted. You know, uh, they now are going to have to settle for somebody else. But he said don't rule out that they still try to throw an unbelievable package at the Jets. But, it, but he said it's doubtful because he said, that Zach Wilson is the guy who's ready to step in and start day one. He said this kid is, what did he say? He goes, when Pat Mahomes was in college, he had some weird throws that hoped would translate to the pros. He said Wilson is making some of these throws now that Mahomes is making as a pro. And he is just so on top of Wilson being and he actually said, I believe Wilson's a generational quarterback and that he thinks this is going to be the guy. And, and so we have to understand 
two teams didn't want Sam for this scheme. And, 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 and Steve Young said this scheme is a perfect fit for Wilson because Steve Young said you have to be able to run now. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to say was Brian Costello's article today was the first time I've ever seen the, the art, people talk about it. Apparently inside Florham Park, they thought Sam was not good at reading defenses and progressions. I've never read that. And if that's the case, that's the death knell for the Shanahan scheme because that's what you have to do. And you know that. Yeah, I, th- I, I think I, th- th- that is true. But I, I'm always uh, over the last couple of years and maybe may too cynical, but I've grown pretty skeptical of, of, you know, what we get from the media because it, it is such a well, I know a, a business where they, they sort of, you know, if if someone within the organization says, hey, Brian, if you write this piece that makes sense why we got rid of Sam, then maybe we'll give you a scoop down the line. There's a lot of sort of, but, you but know, I don't think, you know, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I, again, I don't, I don't think Steve, that was an issue with Sam early. If You know, like I said, Rich, I think uh, his first game in the NFL, uh, he was better than he was all of this year. And, you know, we saw Sam throwing to second, third, you know, sometimes his fourth read. Um, but that, over the past year or so, seemed to go away, and he regressed and became a one-read quarterback. So he was a guy who was reading defenses early and sort of regressed. He, As I said before, and I hated to say it, but he he became excuse me he became what Mark Sanchez and Geno Smith were you know one read guys uh, throw it to your guy whether he's open or not if there's two defenders who cares if there's three defenders who cares just throw it to the guy and that the, that was the regression that we referenced so many times during the year but you make a good point with listen. Steve Young, he's a BYU guy. You know, how much we can dismiss what he's saying yeah. versus how, you know, I mean, he, as, listen, he, here, here's the thing, and I, I did a quick blog post on this, guys. I don't know if you caught it. Um, I did want to touch on this tonight. The Joe Douglas Zoom presser with the media today. Um, and yeah. I try, I, I, listen, this may be some wishful thinking on my part, but uh, yeah. the, the psychology student in me uh, is watching that Joe Douglas presser. And if you look at his face, when Rich Samini says to him, uh, Joe, Steve Young did a radio interview where he said that the Jets are locked into Zach Wilson and you're recruiting his parents and blah, blah, blah. How do you feel about that? And Joe Douglas's eyes just dart away from the camera and he gets this little grin on his face and kind of goes, yeah, Steve's pretty plugged in at BYU. And then he goes back into the, the, the robot mode. Yes, the pro day was fun and they did a good job and I met with his <laughs> dad and it was nice oh, and it oh, was yeah. fun. But, like, that little split second, like, you can almost hear Joe Douglas going, you son of a bitch. You know? Yeah, yeah. He, he literally just turns away from the camera. He gets this right. little smirk on his face and says, yeah, Steve's pretty well plugged into BYU, huh? Uh, anyway, yeah. yeah, it was a great time right. out there, and they did a great job, and we commend them for that. Right. Blah, blah. So, Please hey, listen buy your, to that interview. Buy your Wilson jerseys Please. now, Jets fans. I know. Mm. Listen to that. Except right don't, right because they'll trade him. So, so buy your Corvette <laughs> and Dennis I... Bird and Joe Namath jerseys. That yeah, that's yeah, right. Only, that someone told me this today. Has a... Only buy Hall of Fame jerseys or guys that have yeah. been retired. Yeah. Because the no the only jerseys I have. Anymore. I mean, first of all, I'm a million years old, so I don't tend to wear jerseys. But the two I have yeah. are Corvette and Bird. That's it. That's I'm not. I'm go. not buying any new. I, I'm tempted to buy a Beckton. I'm not going to lie, because I think. But, but the only reason I don't buy a Beckton is because he missed so much time last year. I'm like, is this guy going to be 
an injury issue because he weighs 7,000 pounds. He could leave the FBA. Listen, yeah, the, well, the thing I well, sent you, though, Glenn, the link I sent you in that, in, what's funny that you just said that about Joe's uh, psychological thing, is that in that third, that in San Francisco uh, radio interview I just listened to with Steve Young, he mentions being at the pro day, and when they said, "Gee, do you think the Jets are going to be? Do you think the Forty ers can steal Wilson from the Jets?" Will uh, Steve Young said on the radio to the radio guys, he goes, "I don't think so." I was talking to Joe Douglas, and and they're all over him. They are totally sold on him. They're even recruiting his parents. So yeah, he let the cat out of the bag. Where I think Joe Will, Joe Douglas thought it was a confidential conversation. Yeah, that was uh, that was something I read that the other day that Steve Young is may, maybe that's the interview that that you sent. I retweeted it by the way. I just saw it, um, but I did yeah, read okay. uh, about a week ago that Steve Young made that comment. That was the big one when Steve Young said the Jets are recruiting his family. It was like okay, well yeah. this is this is sort of a step above and beyond. So listen, remember, thanks for the call, we, Rich. Really appreciate okay. it, and I think I think Wilson's going to be the guy. Um, but we'll see about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about Sam, and then we're going to go into some draft stuff. But thanks so much for calling in. Okay, and what you tweeted out, everybody, also listen to the 30-minute radio interview that's at the top of the article. That's more important than anything. All right, thanks a lot, Rich. Take care. So, Alex, thanks, we've, got, um, we've got uh, Steve Young. Like I said, man, and, and I'm, I am the first one to admit it could be confirmation bias. It could be me just seeing what I want to see. But, man, the look, the way Joe Douglas looked when Rich Samini said, Steve Young said, you're locked in on Zach Wilson, he just kind of turned away. And I, I could just – I could almost hear him saying, God damn it, Steve. Um, and he just said, Steve's plugged in. That was, that's with the stuff that seems off script that you don't really hear. And then he went into the, the standard GM answers. Yes, it was a great pro day. It was lots of fun. We commend BYU for the job they did. All the stuff you expect to hear. Um, so, and listen – here, here's why I, this is what 33 however many damn years uh you know as a fan of this team puts you i'm i'm all on board with zach wilson i'm like draft him draft him draft him draft him as it becomes more and more obvious they they're going to draft him i'm like all right why is this guy gonna suck why is he gonna be terrible and i start looking for the warts because they can't get it right right i mean we know what we know how this yeah. ends sam darnold the quarterback they had goes to play for Matt Rule, the coach they should have hired, and they're going to win like four rings together. And then the Jets right. are going to draft Wilson, and he'll suck, or Fields, and he'll suck, or, or, or Trey Lance, and he'll suck. Uh, but listen, it's going to be Wilson. It should be Wilson. They asked Joe Douglas, you know, does strength of schedule matter? And Joe Douglas gave the right answer. He said, look, that's out of the player's hands. That is, I, you can't, as an evaluator, you can't hold that against the player. Um. And I, I don't know. I, like I said, I've never – and, you know, listen, I'm not – as I said last week, Alex, guys in the business, Bill Parcells had some of the worst drafts you'll ever see in your life. Uh, Ozzie Newsome yeah, had happened. some atrocious drafts. Like, it is such an inexact science. That's what I want to read, Alex. That's, I, I was you thinking about this the other day. Yeah, sorry it, to cut you listen, off there, but you cannot look at the tape of um, – how did I just draw a blank that fast? Uh the edge defender you can't from look Florida the tape took of... the third round for Teddy Bridgewater. Good Lord. Um, Say that again? The edge defender from Florida we took two years ago. Jakai Polite. The third pick. 
Yeah, like you can't look at that film and not say that this guy doesn't have pass rushing, isn't a pass rushing nightmare for quarterback. I mean, you look at that yeah, film and, and you're like, this guy and in terms of effort, fire, he's going to burn a, the whole whole block down. I had a and, conversation with somebody yeah. about him the other day, Alex, <laughs> and the, the issue with him was apparently effort. Right? You go back and watch the Kai flight in college. Now, this is a stat. It wasn't a big number that he had, but it was still number one in the country. Because if you, if you look at things, the way they unfold on a football field, defensive linemen generally don't do this. But Ja'Kai Polite, his final season in Florida, he led the country in tackles for defensive linemen 20 yards or more beyond the line of scrimmage with four. Now, four isn't a lot. But the amount of it work like that effort. goes into getting that tackle for a D lineman who's running one direction and then has to turn around and chase a running back in the opposite direction. He had four times. Ta- you don't do that without insane levels of effort. And then he gets drafted, and all you're hearing is he won't show up for a meeting. Like, you can't yep. predict that. You can't anticipate yep. that. And that's what I was going to say, Alex. I either want to find the book or I want to – I would like to write the book, but you can't really – I don't have the money to pay the experts you would need to get them to take part. I want to I wanna know, like, the anatomy of a bust. Like, there's a million reasons why guys bust, and I want to hear all of them. We talked on, the, on our, our private chat earlier a couple weeks ago, and I mentioned a guy. I, I remembered it was Sullivan. I couldn't remember the, the first name. Jonathan Sullivan. Did I send you? I can't remember if I sent you the article. Um, he was a New Orleans Saints defensive lineman taken in the first round. He was a huge bust, no pun intended, because he was too fat, right? He wouldn't, and, and I'm a fat guy, so don't get on me about calling him fat. He's, you know, he's one of my people. We eat too much. We don't work out enough. But Jonathan Sullivan was on the Saints roster. He was underperforming. The team told him, like, dude, you're coming in over your weight. You need to drop weight. In response to that, he went up. I, I thought, because, I, rem- I mean, this story is like 10-plus years old. The way I remembered it was he was – and he may, he may have done both things, um, or it may, be, it may be a combination. What he did was he went up to the media – he went up to the, the press box where the media has a, a spread of food after the game, and he grabbed himself some hamburgers and went down and ate them like in, like in front of the coach's office or the GM's office or something. Like, and this is pre – this is before the new CBA, so he probably got like – $10 million the day he was drafted, or, you know, whenever he signed. So they gave this guy $10 million, and then they said, hey, man, could you lose a little weight so you can be in playing shape? And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And he went upstairs and grabbed some burgers and sat in front of the office and ate them. Like, you can't predict that. You don't know, what, you don't know what's going to happen when you take a young kid and put millions of dollars in And I don't care if the kid grew up poor, if he grew up rich, even if he grew up rich. Even which is a, a ridiculous knock I've heard on Zach Wilson. Don't draft him. His family is successful. Jesus Christ, are you serious? But whether it's a rich yeah. kid, a poor kid, like chances are, even a rich kid like Wilson, or you know, like that was the thing with Josh Rosen. His dad was like a neurologist. Oh, he comes from money. Like that, that, he's that probably he probably comes too. from money, yeah. but he's probably never had millions of dollars in his own personal bank account, and that can change Johnny everything. Man. Yeah, well, everyone knew that. People try to connect dots on on things like that because it just seems like, you know, it it, it works, you know, for for whatever their agenda is. Everyone's so damn lazy. 
Everyone's so yeah, politicized. Ohio State quarterbacks never like, pan out, so Fields is doing too because he's from and, Ohio State. Like, and and I will say, that. He, yeah, that you're 100% right. We don't know, but I'm going to yeah. reveal, and I think it's important to be honest about ourselves. I'm going to re- yeah. reveal a little bit of hypocrisy for me because I, I agree with that. I say all the time, when I hear someone say, don't draft this guy, he's from that school, and they never produce whatever position. I'm always like, listen, man, you can't, like, it's a different guy. It's a different time. It's a different staff. Everything's different. Yeah, um, right. But with Fields, I say that, and then there's that part of me that goes, but it isn't a different system. It isn't, a, like, it's like consecutive successive quarterbacks out of the same school, right. same system. You know, it's not like a guy out of one school, you draft him and he sucks, and then 10 years down the line, you're talking about another guy with another coach out of the same school. Like, you know, like, like, you know, Sanchez came out under Pete Carroll out of USC and then, or not Pete Carroll. Yeah, he did have Carroll. And then Donald comes out of somebody else at USC. Those are completely different circumstances. But at, at Ohio State, I know they've had some coaching turnover, but I think they still run a similar system. And I could be wrong about that. But it, mm-hmm. there's that part of you that goes same system, same school, same sort of production. How, that being said, I do think Fields will be better than all the guys before him. So it wouldn't stop me from drafting him. And, and I know I've had the back and forth with people, you know, with Dylan and other people on Twitter. Like, I wouldn't mm-hmm. – my quarterback, just the, the big thing for me is that, you know, we, it's, it's so easy to sit back and say, you know, a guy can't do this, he can't do that, if you're sort of nitpicking. And, and, mm-hmm. and I've, said, I've said it to you guys. I'm not saying that Josh Fields can't consistently make – you know, NFL tight window throws. I'm just saying mm-hmm. we haven't seen him do it, so we don't know. With Wilson, right. we've seen him do it. And that was another thing, Alex. I don't know if you saw it. Like, you know, when I said NFL throws, when I'm saying NFL throws, I, I mean, like, between defenders tight throws. I think right. Dylan and probably some other people were showing, like, you know, where he's going to his third read and throwing a swing pass. I don't mean a swing pass going through progression. I'm talking about, right. like, you know, 25, 30, 35, 40 yards down the field or in the red zone and putting it at a height where the defender can't get it, but the receiver can. Like, those are the NFL throws. I don't mean, like, trying to hit those soft areas. What do you mean that's not an NFL throw? That's that's a 55-yard touchdown pass. Yes, it's a 55-yard touchdown pass where all of the defenders are behind him and he's got nothing but green grass in front of him. Like, you don't get that that often in the NFL. Um, So would I be disappointed if it was Justin Fields? Not at all. Would I be surprised? Yeah, I would. Um, and as I said, right. the, the smart money in Vegas has right now you got to bet $10 to win a dollar for Zach Wilson. But if you bet $10, you get like 60 bucks for Justin Fields. So Vegas likes him. Joe Douglas gave us a wry little, you know, uh, a wry little smile out of the side of his face there when he was asked <laughs> about Zach Wilson. So Darnold's gone. One thing I was going to say, I nearly had, I nearly flipped out, Alex. I'm driving home, and I said to this to you earlier, the last three yeah. or four guys suggestive signed, it was friggin' announced while I was driving to or from my job, and I'm like an hour from my place, so I, I can't. There's nothing I, I can't tweet, can't blog, can't anything. I'm driving home last night, and someone sends me the message: Darnold traded, and I'm driving, so I can't like sit down and read it properly. Completely missed. I was so bummed out. I completely missed the part about the second rounder. I literally thought they traded him for a four and a six. 
And I was like, oh, my God. You know, I missed like, that, too. And I go, are you serious right now? And yeah. I, said, okay, I was like, man, I know that we talk about his value had dropped, <laughs> but really a four and a six? I was like, man, was I wrong about this? And then yeah, I, a right, buddy of mine right. called right away, and I said, man, they got nothing for him. And he was like, oh, a two or four and a six isn't bad. And I was like, a two? So I was happy, again, happy with that. I wish Sam Darnold well. I really do. He's a good kid. Hard not to root for. He had some of the worst. At least Dan Orlovsky, I know he's been copping for Darnold for a while. He's, he's just praying yeah. Darnold does well. But I, right. he's not necessarily wrong when he's like, for the first time in his career, Sam Darnold is yeah. going to be coached. He is going to be taught yeah, I believe in that. and coached I saw that. at the pro level. And, uh, and I wish the kid well. But uh, we're going to do some draft stuff tonight, Alex. Go ahead and, uh, go ahead and explain to the listeners what we're going to be doing now. Yeah, so uh, we came up with this idea collectively um, as we are officially in draft month. And um, we've done some draft-related things, more or less just mocks and talking about um, maybe some of the names you're more familiar with. Tonight what we're going to do is we're going to briefly go through um, majority of the positional groups of uh, the Jets' needs. And we're going to rank – um, we're going to give three players that we rank um, for all these positions that we feel, you know, would be on the big board, per se. And then what we're going to do is take that same position and we're going to plug in players uh, that we feel uh, are best fits for the Jets when they come into the draft. So we're going to have a little fun tonight, um, get some players out there that you're more than likely familiar with, and then we're going to throw in some players that maybe you're not familiar with that you guys can go ahead and, uh, you know, maybe look into and, um, if you haven't noticed from my draft Twitter, um, I love to, to share content from YouTube and things that I, little tidbits I find. So, um, you know, maybe somebody that's not on their radar, you know, tonight we'll, we'll get some, some sleepers in some people's uh, databanks tonight. Yeah. And I will say this, this reminded me, Alex, um, full disclosure here, um, with, and this is sort of what happened with the Sam Darnold situation, um, leading up to that draft. While there were rumors that the Browns would take Mayfield at one, and I said I thought those rumors were legitimate, um, right. I there was so much hype surrounding Darnold leading up to it that yeah. I didn't I didn't watch a ton of him because one, I thought the Jets aren't getting to him, be there. <laughs> and then two, I thought other you know I watched like a couple of games and then mostly highlights and thought. I've I've seen enough. I, you know, I basically lean too heavily on what I was reading. At, like I said at the top, NFL.com. I, you know what sold me? When NFL.com had their Sam Darnold comp as Andrew Luck, I was like, well, that's it, man. Like, if you're getting Andrew Luck, which people like to say, Andrew Luck, why did he ever win? Like, the dude took his team from, like, two wins to, like, 14 wins in a couple of years. Like, if that's – the guy was awesome. Um, he just played on some teams that weren't good enough teams to win Super Bowls. Um, and he may have if he hung around. But anyway, uh, admittedly, I, I have watched a ton more of Fields and Wilson than I did of Darnold. Um, and I've not watched a ton of Lawrence because I watched a couple of his games during the season. And then once the Jets beat the Rams, I was like, well, there goes that guy. No reason to watch him anymore. Um, and stop. So I've seen highlights plus a few games of Lawrence. But I've watched a ton of Wilson, a ton of Fields, a few games of Lance, a couple, not much of Mac Jones because he's really only recently entered the conversation 
as a top five guy. Um, so I'm, I'd say I'm, I'm better informed about this year's group of quarterbacks than I was the Darnold year. So um, how do you want to kick this off? Do you want to lead it off? Do you want me to go or what? Sure, yeah. We'll talk about the position group, so we're on the same um, page here. So we're going to review quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, inside offensive linemen, offensive tackles, edge, um, linebackers, and uh, we can we can do cornerbacks too if if you have that um, ready to rock there, Glenn. So I know it's a lot. We'll try to see how much we can get through. Um, I know we were going to try to. I was going to try to incorporate some stuff for Dylan, but maybe we'll let Dylan kind of run through his list when he joins us next week. Um, but yeah, if, if you want me to kick it off here, we could start with the cornerbacks, and um, you know, obviously, I think the top three. Um, Pretty pretty easy here, um, you know. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and uh, Zach Wilson. Um, those are the consensus top three. Um, but then I feel that the Jets' needs here would be more or less a Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and possibly a Trey Lance um, in an abnormal uh, multi-universe scenario here. Um, so that's how that's how I see it. I think Wilson, like you said, is a very good fit. Um, for what we perceive we might be seeing with a Shanahan kind of Lafour from Green Bay Packers, kind of, you know, an infusion of this offense. Um, you know, Fields, obviously, dual threat. Same thing with Lance. Uh, a little more questions probably from the Lance uh, market than the other two. But, you know, these will be the top three guys that the Jets will be looking at, the, the number two pick. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I guess this really will boil down to, you know, which guy does LaFleur feel can, you know, bite into this playbook and, uh, you know, start start making it happen on Sundays? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I know, and, and up until a few weeks ago, I think you would be right in saying consensus top three. But really, um, you know, you look at TDN, I know I, <laughs> with the aforementioned uh, ridiculous uh, time that I have to drive to and from work, I've been listening to the Albert Breer podcast quite a bit lately. He's become a big fan of that. You know, he says what other people are starting to say, that Mac Jones is rated a lot higher on draft boards than he is by fans on Twitter. Um, And there were those who felt that when San Francisco traded up, I can't can't remember if it was Breer, but a couple people said right away, like, this is is a move for Mac Jones. Uh, It was Orlovsky. Orlovsky, who played for Shanahan, said that when you look at what Shanahan likes in a quarterback and what Mac Jones does, this is a move for Mac Jones. So he might be in that top three for a lot of teams. But for me personally, yeah, even the limited film I've watched on Lawrence, I would have him, Wilson, and Fields as my top three. Trey Lance, to me, is still, and like I said, this, you know, before I watched a single Trey Lance snap, I I read a scouting report on him. I think it was TDN. Mm -hmm. They talked about how he really only looks at one side of the field. So I don't know if it was because I was looking for that more since I read it. But yeah. it really did jump out. I mean, he really is a one-side-of-the-field guy. Um, so if you draft him, I mean, the, with the way the NFL works nowadays, when you take a guy in the top ten, he start, <clears throat> excuse me, he's starting by week three or four um, at the latest. Right. So can you take a guy who's a one, who only reads one half of the field at, at at a low level college, not you know, it's not even like he's at a, at a you know a top college in terms of competition. 
Um, can you take a, a, a Division two, Division three guy who reads one half the field and make him an NFL quarterback in a few months? Like, I don't I, – that seems crazy to me. But, uh, you know, listen, as I said earlier, with, with if, you know, if the Pats end up with one of these guys, if you land in the right spot and you do something like what the Patriots did with Brady, for those who think back and remember, Tom Brady threw a ton of screens and swings early on. It was like the Patriots knew he needed to be brought along and kind of baby him a little bit. And that, that they chip away at your defense and drive you crazy with the short stuff while he got comfortable. And by year three or four, he was a different guy. Um, so, look, anything's possible. But I know for me, as electric as Trey Lance is, and he protects the ball and all that, that's all great. But he doesn't scan enough of the field for my liking. So I would go Lawrence, yeah. Wilson, and Fields myself. And as far as fits for the Jets, listen, Lawrence is not going to be there. But I think Wilson, and the reason I say Wilson over Fields is that, and I, I hate to sound like a broken record. I honestly do. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hearing me say it, to be honest. But, um, but these throws that I see from Wilson time and again where only his guy can get it, that's with the Jets defense, or sorry, with the Jets offense, with these receivers and Mims and Davis who are 6'3", 6'4", that's what you want. Like, if you can keep, ele- you know, if those guys can elevate and you have a quarterback who can consistently plant, you know, put the ball over the outstretched arms of the defender, like, those, there's not going to be a lot of yak, to be fair, on, you know, on, on that type of play. But when you need a big play, he's, he's probably going to be able to pull it off. So I think that makes him the best fit. I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't hate the Fields pick. We would just have to see him do more than what we've seen uh, from him in college at OSU because as much as I said that, you know, he, he plays with guys who are wide open, that was sort of, you know, off of the, the limited uh, film I watched. When I sat down, and, and thank you, by the way, Alex, for those links, when I sat down and watched every single throw he made, even I, like expecting him to throw to wide open receivers, I was shocked at how often his guys were literally just no defender within 5, 10, 15 yards. And I'm watching that yeah. and thinking, how does this project? How do you watch a guy throw through 15, 20-yard windows and think, oh, yeah, he'll be able to compete in the NFL? He might. I'm not saying he won't. But right. give me the guy who's shown he can do it versus the guy you hope can do it. Yeah, you know, and it, it's great, you know, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, – I don't know if we're planning this for next week or the week prior, but, um, you know, when we dive deep into quarterback talk, because clearly, <laughs> you know, as Joe Douglas would say, that would be a good assessment to say that we might be taking a quarterback at two. Um, I'm really looking forward to that because, uh, you know, I'm still doing my deep dive and um, I spent, the, you know, an ample part of my, my, my weekend – um, looking into all three of the quarterbacks, just kind of wanted to um, go after some of the games that I didn't get to see and, and, and kind of look into those. And, You're wasting your time. Dive in different waters. It's Wilson. Wilson's the pick. <laughs> I got you. But you know me. You, I, you're, I you're, can, you're, um, you're swimming around in circles, Alex. Go, let's go look at some corners. That, that itch, you know what I mean? And Offensive line. Come on, those are the questions. The unexpected, as this we know, is no longer a question. Well, I mean – how many times have we, we thought we had our thumb on, on the beat and then, you know, this team just decides to do what the Jets do and uh, put us all there with our draws on the floor and just saying, what the hell are they doing? So, you know, that's oh, yeah, why that's, I, I, I had that thought earlier. I was like, they're going to take Mac oh, Jones yeah. at two and we're all going to look like idiots. Yeah. And at 23, we're going to be sitting there saying, okay, this is a great opportunity to improve the offensive line and they're going to take a D lineman. And then I'm, uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to put all the things that I really truly love in my house and I'm going to put them away 
so that if I do decide to throw something, you know, nothing important gets de- demolished. <laughs> because, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah you know, at some point, somewhere, somewhere in the top three, going they're going to do something crazy. Right. You know, just kind of prepare yourselves now, Jets fans, for that. But, um, yeah, let's uh, – Let's go on to uh, the next position group here because we could probably talk all night about quarterbacks, let's be honest. Um, running back here. All right, pretty easy here. Travis Etienne, consensus number one. Uh, some people have Najee Harris, number two. And for me, I really like the, the young kid, Javonta Williams. So those are my top three on the big board. And then for some names, you know, some people might know them, some people not may not. Um, Kylan Hill is somebody that I think we should be putting on the radar here. Uh, Chubba Hubbard um, is another one. And then Trey Sermon would be, you know, who I talked about last week. Those would be my my three fits. I think that they would be RB1 for us. Um, And then, you know, obviously in in a share time situation with Tevin Coleman. But these guys, I feel, give you a little bit more a uh, little power and speed kind of combo in between the tackles where Coleman's a little bit more of a get him in space and, and more of a receiving back. So I think that somebody like that that works good in between the inside the tackles would be a good mix for this team. Yeah, I think uh, generally, you know, ATN, Harris, Williams, those are kind of going to be the top three. And, you know, ATN, Harris, some people might flip them. Um, it's really, they're sort of interchangeable. They're They're that tight. I think in terms of fits for the Jets, ATN, definitely. I think they're going to want a pass catcher. Um, you know, we know what a big fan I am of Gainwell. I would have him in there. And another guy who I, I think one of us took him in the mock. One of you guys took him. I, one of my favorites in the class. I think Dylan took him. Uh, JV and Hawkins mm-hmm. out of Louisville. Um, yep. uh, Puka Williams out of Kansas was a guy that I really liked before I, I stumbled upon yep. Gainwell. Um, but I think those are the guys who would fit. And even, you know, like I said, Chris Evans is the guy who I keep mocking to the Jets. Um, not a perfect fit for this system, but still good enough. And, and a better, I watched more of him this week, I think, and I think I sent you guys some of the clips I saw, a better pass catcher than I realized. So actually a better fit than I thought initially, but those are some of the guys that I would keep an eye on. Like I said, ATN, um, I, I'm, I'm at the point, as I said the other day, Alex, where I would – I could live with taking him in the first three rounds, but it doesn't mean it's the approach I would take. I would still go premium positions early and grab a guy like Gainwell later on. You know, Chubba mm-hmm. Hubbard's the guy you mentioned, monster year a couple years ago. Um, yep, yep. You know, so fell back to earth a little bit this year, but uh, he's, he's only ranked one spot above JV and Hawkins on TDN, as a matter of fact. But, he, you know, he yeah, would be a consideration. I, I would much rather, as I've said, Give me Wilson at two. Give me a corner at twenty-three, and then give me a couple of linemen. And I'm I'm actually Alex. Having yeah. said corner at twenty-three, a guy you took in the last mock, Paulson Adebo. Looking at him and how much I liked him prior, Trill Williams out of Syracuse. I'm looking at these guys and thinking, would it be worth going with Wilson at one, and instead of taking a corner at twenty-three, take the best tackle on the board who might be able to play right guard as a rookie before you move him out to right tackle next year. And then draft a corner with that fourth pick where you get a guy like a Dabo or Trill Williams, who some people feel could become starting corners. I'm, I'm warming up to that a little because, damn it, I, I want to build this line. I want, I want two or three linemen, or I want two linemen early on 
and initially I had it sort of three and four with linemen. Now I'm thinking Wilson, lineman, lineman, corner, I could live with. And um, that's that's kind of where I'm at with this. I'm, I'm, well, I'm leaning more and more heavily toward O-line. Yeah, because, you know, we I've said it, you know, at nausea and other people too, like, why haven't you gotten corner? Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? And if you haven't noticed, this salary crap cap uh, decrease has clearly affected the way that deals are getting done. And, uh, you know, there's a quite a few, you know, highly spoken of names still out um, that have not found a job yet. And I think what teams are doing at this point is saying no need to be desperate. Uh, we're going to play the, you know, the long game here, and we're going to see what we can get done in the draft. And then once we're done there and we get the players that we need that we feel will, you know, help build our roster, then we'll go spend money on those last couple positions just to, you know, iron some things out. So I think that that's what the Jets are doing here. And, you know, we are anticipating a cornerback at 23 because we really haven't been very active this offseason in free agency with it. And it makes a lot of sense. But like you said, if you have the opportunity to get a four-year immediate starter for the offensive line, you know, and we kick the tires on cornerback a little bit later, maybe we find a project guy kind of like Bryce Hall and Bless Austin like we've done in previous drafts, and then say, hey, you know what? We still got $20 million on the cap. We can make a move with one or two guys here um, and, 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 you know, get the nickel corner that we need or, or get another outside guy with experience because the draft wasn't as, you know, didn't fall the way that we anticipated it. So I think that that's kind of what's happening right now with the team and no need to be desperate and, you know, hand blank checks to people when you're a few weeks away from the draft. You don't know how this is all going to play out um, because teams are going to continue to add to their roster and their boards are going to continuously changing every day till we get up to the point of, you know, the draft selection day. And that's where I think that, that what is going on right now. Um, I think that see what we can get, get our cheap rookie deals together, and then go out and spend money on those last few positions that we need to go to battle for. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that's kind of how I'm seeing things, you know, as of today, you know, April 6th. Yeah, and don't forget, Alex, uh, the Darnold deal frees up $5 million in cap space for the Jets. So they go oh, from $19 that, million in space to, 20, to $24 million. And I go. think part of the reason why Alex Lewis, Greg Van Roon, I think why those guys are still around, draft hasn't happened yet. I think if they draft a the guy who they think can play, you can mm-hmm. dump Alex Lewis after June 1st and you save another $6 million. So really this yep. team is sitting at 24-8 in cap space, just under $25 million, and they can legitimately you know, cut ties with Alex Lewis, save another $6 million. And then there are some free agents out there who can help you know, again, not superstars at this point, but there's some guys out there who you can plug in and who can play for you. Um, so, yeah, I would say the Jets aren't done, um, you know, but no, you know, no team is done at this point. There are still moves to be made. But, um, the, you know, the, the possibility to maneuver and, and make changes on the roster um, give put the Jets in a spot where they're not forced to pick in any particular spot um, again, you got to get a quarterback, you got to get a line, but corner, I think you can wait a little bit and you might get a free agent. And the other thing, Alex, that I wanted to talk about, um, and, and not, not to derail us from this conversation, but it kind of ties into the, what we're saying about, you know, 
positions you have to address versus where you can wait. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, especially after we talked about it last week about how good this front seven can be. You know, you've added Rankins to Quinn and Williams to John Franklin Myers to Foley Fadakasi. You've added Carl Lawson. I'm looking at that front seven and thinking edge rusher isn't the pressing need that it was, right? right. Quinn and Williams could have easily had 10 sacks last year um, if not for quarterbacks throwing the ball away while he was wrapping them up. And, I fully ex- and he missed some games. So I fully expect Quinn and Williams to be like in the 12 sack range this year. And then you have Rankins, who had eight and a half the last time he was healthy. He sat out for long enough that they are now claiming he is healthy. So if he is, which is it's a big if, but he's had the time mm-hmm. to recover, and they're saying he's healthy. If Rankins got an interior D lineman who can get you eight sacks a couple years ago, and then Quinn and Williams, who, who would have had 10 last year, with Carl Lawson and Foley Fadakasi, I'm looking at this and thinking, edge, you know, I don't care where the sacks come from. It's just that sacks yeah. normally come from the edge. So we're always saying we need an edge rusher. We need an edge rusher. We just need a rusher. Right. We need people who can get to the quarterback. Yeah. If, if, if Quinn and Williams, Sheldon Rankins, and, and Lawson, and, and JFM, if these guys can combine for sort of, you know, between the four or five of them, 25 to 30 sacks, I'm fine with that. I don't see the need to use a a second or third rounder on an edge rusher when you have dire needs at corner and and O-line. So as much as I've said for years and I've said recently, got to get an edge guy, got to get an edge guy, got to get an edge guy. I don't feel that same pressure for this team this year. I think, you know what, if somebody falls and you get great value, go ahead and grab them. But I would rather use some of those early picks and mid-round picks on potential starting cornerbacks. But sorry, I didn't mean to derail the conversation. No, uh, no, that, that was good. Good talking points right there. Let's uh, let's let's move along. What are we at? Wide receiver now. We'll do this one quick. Uh, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, uh, top three. Mix them up any way you want. I think that that's kind of how most people have it. And for me, for the Jets, you know, obviously I talked about Rondell Moore last week. He's my guy. Um, Amari Rogers. Um, I think he had around like 24 bench press reps at 225. One of the strongest wide receivers in the league. Kind of labeled as a slot guy, but if you look at the dynamic of our uh, wide receiver group, and uh, you know Crowder being on his final contract year, not a bad time to maybe dip into this, the slot receiver market here and really put together um, you know a a quality, you know, four-man group um, for, you know, whomever the quarterback's going to be. And then my last guy, um, who I think you might be familiar with, is Duwami Brown. Um, man, you know, I, I, I heard his name. I kind of came late to the party with, you know, getting my film review done on him. But good Lord, can this guy really stretch the field? And, you know, once he gets the ball in his hands, he can really, really do something with it, and, and he can fly on the field. Um, you know, just to keep it short, uh, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, over 50 receptions, and he averaged both years, 2019 and 2020, with 20 yards of reception. So if that doesn't say, you know, deep threat in your mind, um, I don't know how well to, to sell that to you. But I just picture, you know, Dwami on one side, Mims on the other, and then Crowder and Davis kind of, you know, causing havoc, you know, in the intermediate to short area uh, for some yak kind of potential there. Um, yeah, I would be happy with the Duwami Brown in this offense. Yeah, um, as much as I've watched North Carolina, I've seen Duwami Brown quite a bit. Uh, an impressive guy. And, you know, the top three, 
you know, for me personally, and maybe you can call me sizest, but uh, Devontae Smith, man, his size worries me. If I had to stack my top three, I'm going Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Rashad Bateman. Um, Waddle just is like totally, you know, such such an explosive guy. Uh, not much bigger than Smith, obviously, but just so much, yeah. you know, so more elusive guy and just the, the elite speed is what kind of puts him above Smith for me. I would have Smith four. Yeah. Um, in terms of the Jets, you know, I think Waddle would be a fit in almost any scheme. Chase won't even be there. He's not worth talking about. So, I mean, Smith won't be there. Right. Now, Rashad Bateman's right. interesting because he might be there at 23. Right. Um, and yeah. if they decide to try to go wide receiver that early, he could be, you know, someone who's on the table. But obviously, I like Kadarius Toney. I like Rondell Moore. Right. And, um, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about a guy that, you know, I kind of, someone who I, I liked him a lot early on. But as I said to you guys previously, when I looked and saw the way the 49ers roster was constructed, I kind of veered away from the bigger guys thinking, well, they're not going to look for big receivers. Then they went out and signed Davis, and I was like, oh, maybe they do want big receivers. Um, if they're willing to go big and, and take a guy, uh, he probably won't be there as late as many projected because of his pro day. But, man, uh, I'm a big Nico Collins fan. And I was. It, it's one of those mm-hmm. things where you really like a guy and you're like, I hope he doesn't blow up his pro day because then he's going to shoot up draft boards or, you know, he's going to, you know, people are going to think, man, we did, you know, he looked fast on film. You know, sometimes these guys, especially these bigger guys, when they're running, like they just don't look like they're running four fours because they, you know, these big gazelle long legs and you're thinking, okay, that guy's probably in the low four, low mid four fives. Um, And then you time him and he times at four, four, four or whatever it was. And it's like, hang on a minute, you know, what are we dealing with here? So I would love Nico Collins um, in this offense as a guy who, even if you want to try to try to work him in in the slot, like this, and this is the thing with receivers, like modern day NFL folks, like four and five receiver sets are commonplace. It's not like you can say, oh, well, we don't need a, you know, we don't need that guy. We have Mims and and we got Davis and we got Crowder. Yeah, fantastic. So what's the problem with getting more big, fast receivers to create a ton of mismatches for your young quarterback? So uh, I would love to have Collins in this system. Yeah, Yeah. um, but another guy who I was actually – I've watched quite a bit of, took him in the last mock, but I was actually watching him leading up to this episode um, just a few minutes ago. And really, two receivers that I I would gladly see the Jets take out of the same school and keep them as teammates, uh, Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn. Like, Seth Williams is the strong guy, you know, the, the, the bigger, stronger, more traditional guy. And then you got Anthony Schwartz, who's one of the fastest guys in the country who could take the top off of defense. Um, really like those guys quite a bit. So I know I gave you more than three, but I'm just throwing out names yeah. of guys that I think would be, you know, on, on the board in a spot where the Jets are looking receiver and guys who would fit the system. Yep, yep. Uh, all good, good uh, prospects there. So with tight end here, I think, you know, we'll – can be quite fairly quick here. Not crazy, crazy talent. I, I kind of like this tight end group, but you know, not maybe as great or as flashy as years past, but you know, Kyle Pitts, I think he's on the Marcus Colston, you know, path where he starts out as a tight end and then ends up being a jumbo wide receiver. Um, Pat Fearmoth out of Penn state. Um, really, really love him. I just, you know, can't see with, with what the jets have done and how they're, putting this roster together to he, he's going to be a premium pick, probably a second rounder. Um, I would imagine. And then you have Brevin Jordan out of Miami. Um, 
just another, um, you know, versatile guy, had a really, really good season, not a lot of crazy um, stats, you know, for say throughout his career, but last year looked pretty darn good with seven touchdowns and, you know, just under 600 yards. So not bad for, you know, some receiving tight end action. Um, but the guys that I like for the Jets, and you're probably going to end up paying a premium pick on this guy, Tommy Tremble. Um, you look at him, no touchdowns last year, but if you watch the film, you can just tell that this guy loves the game and he loves to just bury bodies on the field. He would be considered a blocking tight end, but at the same time, um, you know, it's kind of like the George Kittle thing is how I see it, Glenn. You know, he was known as a blocking guy, but it was like, did they ever give him the opportunity to, to be the receiving tight end? And then he comes into San Francisco and it's just, you know, just beautifulness, you know, before your eyes as he just develops from a fifth-round prospect into what we would talk today is maybe a first-round grade for a George Kittle. So, you know, that's what kind of what I see with Tommy Tremble. You won't be, you know, um, you know, you fall in love with the stats, but, you know, you watch the film and you say, wow, you know, you get this guy in the right system, you know, sky's the limit. Um, another guy, Hunter Long, um, uh, kind of an in-betweener, you know, can do a little bit of everything, good receiver. Um, and then somebody I talked about in our first mock draft, Trey McKitty, I just think underutilized, big body, great hands. I think he's got the biggest hands in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so just untapped resource there. Um, who knows if the Jets will go and tap into the tight end market again, but crazier things have happened. Yeah, I think Trey McKitty's a good point. Um, he, he's a guy that I've read and heard people say that uh, better receiver than he got the opportunity to showcase in college. And yes, of course, Pitts is the top guy. And I mean, he's just, he, I mean, I'd love to have that guy if we need a quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. funny thing, though, Alex, I heard this from uh, and this was, uh, again, the aforementioned uh, Albert Breer heard him say the other day, only two tight ends in NFL history have been drafted in the top five. That's well, I mean, I know it's not often. I didn't know it was like once every 30 years. Um, that's crazy. <laughs> and if not for the fact that quarterbacks are probably going to go one, two and three this year, I would have said Pitts had a shot to go in the top. I think. Where's Detroit picking? Is Detroit five? I could see him going there. No, Detroit seven. I think it's going to be uh, – yeah, I don't think Pitts makes it. I think Pitts – I think that's where he'll land is seven with Detroit. But we'll see. Uh, Friar wow, out of Pennsylvania. And Pitts. That'd, that'd be pretty dynamic. Yeah, Hawkinson I mean, that, that, that could – for Jared Goff. Yeah, that could rejuvenate your That'd career. be phenomenal for them. But uh, yeah. Friar out of Penn State. Brevin Jordan was a guy – I feel like – and this could be my imagination. I You know, watching him a couple months ago, I felt like – he wasn't getting enough respect, but now it seems he's he's kind of climbing up the uh, the virtual draft boards, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. So really good players. Tremble. I think the Jets did the Jets, the Jets officially met with him, I believe, didn't they? Did they? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's cool. I, I I'm I'm quite sure. I could be wrong, but I think it was Tremble uh, that the Jets met with virtually. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the top guys in the class. You'd love to have Pitts, but that's just not going to happen. Friermuth, um, I like, but listen, you know me, I'm, I'm a, a, uh, a Chris Herndon guy. I wouldn't want to use a pick early on on a position that I don't really see of, of dire need. Um, but when you get into a range where maybe they should look at a tight end and a guy who could fit, I really like Kenny Yaboa out of Ole Miss. 
think he's a good player. I think he can line him up in line or in the slot or even out wide. He's a big-bodied guy who's, you know, more athletic than you would expect for his size. Um, I agree. Trey McKitty is another guy that I would look at. Uh, no, nobody else really that early on. Um, one guy that I mentioned to you guys the other day, uh, I tweeted him out, Sean Bayer from Iowa, and staying on that George Kittle thing. Now, he, he lacks George Kittle's speed, which is a big thing. He's not going to have that breakaway. You know, he's not going to be able to make the same type of plays that Kittle can because he's slower. But um, he's a guy who had, I think he had like 11 catches last year. And I went back and watched them all really, you know, uh, had some contested catches, had some acrobatic sort of, just the kind of plays you look at and go, hang on a minute, why isn't this guy getting more opportunities? And he just didn't. That's just the way it went. Um, But I feel like he can be a move guy. He can put some H back. He can block. So he's another guy that I would keep an eye on. Matt Bushman I've seen a fair bit of because he plays at BYU. So he's caught a fair his fair share of uh passes from Zach Wilson but those would be the guys that I would uh I would be keeping an eye on for uh for the Jets and you know Glenn thank you for reminding me to go to um Walter football as they always seem to cover the the visits that teams do and um lo and behold you are correct they did have a visit for him among some other um exciting uh, players that I've had on my radar as well. So uh, thanks for reminding me to go check into that. I'm actually going to tweet that right now as we speak. But um, Oh, no problem. And uh, speaking uh, of exciting, Alex, here. speaking of things okay. that are exciting, if you're a business owner, here's some, here's some exciting news for you. Check out Miles Social, Jet Nation Radio's official sponsor. Listen, if you have a bunch of social media platforms to manage and you're up to your eyebrows and in extra work, Miles Social can handle your social media platforms for you, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, whatever it may be, Miles Social's got you covered. Go to their site. It's milesocial.com, M-I-L-E social. That is milesocial.com. Check out milesocial.com, and they will give you an estimate on what it will cost you to get them to manage your platforms and get more customers through your doors and more money in your pocket. That is milesocial, M-I-L-E social.com. All right, Alex, moving on from the tight ends. Did you want to go tackles or, or guard center at the moment? Yeah, let's go into the interior line here. And um, some, some usual suspects that we've talked about in recent weeks, Humphrey Creed, um, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Landon Dickerson are, are my top three. Uh, and then for the Jets fit, um, I would think that maybe a Wyatt Davis from Ohio State might be a good fit. Deontay Brown, maybe the largest human being um, in this draft class that uh, would be an immediate plug-and-play at left guard. And then uh, one of my personal favorites, Ben Cleveland, um, kind of just – built like the mountain if if you've ever come across game of thrones um and he's an absolute road grader when he's out there on the field in the run game so i'd love any one of those three guys um clearly interior offensive line is an area of that the jets need to address and um kind of like i said i think that that's why we're, we're we're being patient and seeing what the draft can offer us before we go ahead and spend any more free agent money yeah i think uh Elijah Vera Tucker is, you know, he's consensus top guy by quite a fair margin. 
Creed Humphrey is a guy who I love. I've I've tweeted out a few uh, plays from him. Landon Dickerson was injured a little bit with Alabama last year. Didn't play much. He did get in the, the end, tail end of the national championship game. So, you know, you'd be happy to have any of those guys. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you are not a football fan if you are not rooting for Quinn Miners. That dude just out of like Wisconsin, Whitewater, something Division Three. Uh, blocking trees in the woods in the off season or during the season, and then comes into the Senior Bowl and is just you know knocking the snot out of big school guys up and down the field. Um, I, I don't know how you could anyone could not want that guy on your team, but um, minus the top guys and minors who just kind of came from out of nowhere. Uh, Trey Smith was probably one of my favorite prospects. He was one of my favorite prospects early on. Just a dominant guy at left guard for Tennessee had some health issues that kind of dropped his draft status. Ben Cleveland and Deontay Brown, both massive guys. And as much fun as it would be to watch Mekhi Becton line up next to Deontay Brown with Ben Cleveland on the other side of the center, I mean, that would be, that would be phenomenal. But I just don't know that it's a fit for this system. So when we're talking fit, that's where I'm looking at a Quinn Miners, a Josh Myers, Kendrick Green out of Illinois, He's a guy who's really aggressive. He's one of those guys that sort of always has his head on a swivel. If there's not somebody coming at him and he's not engaged, he'll look for somebody to knock on their backside. He does a really nice job of that. Another guy who's sort of a a later round guy, um, Tristan Hoge at a BYU. Again, saw a fair bit of him. And uh, even going even deeper than that, uh, Jake Curran out of Cal. I think he's... uh, I think he's a guy who fits the profile for the Jets a little bigger than you might like in terms of weight, like looking at 325, I think. Um, but again, we'll see how the Jets go with that in terms of what what sort of size guys they target. But yeah, I mean, look, it, it would be fun as hell to watch Ben Cleveland and Deontay Brown at guard, um, and I'd be all for it. I just don't know if the Jets coaching staff would. But uh, Kendrick Green out of Illinois is a guy that I would keep an eye on. Trey Smith, again, bigger guy, not quite as big. As uh, Brown and Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland Brown. I just realized that. Uh, yeah, that's that's where the Browns need to be looking. Seriously, Cleveland and Brown. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, so so definitely some guys in there that I'm interested in seeing. I think the Jets are bound to draft. I think you take at least one guard, at least one tackle, and perhaps a tackle who can play guard for a year. But those are the guys I would be looking at. You know, it's interesting because for all the years that we've seen, like, Mike McCagden trying to get, I'll just say, cute in the draft by going to positions that maybe people were not, you know, looking into. Like, for my example, we were looking at one of the best draft classes for defensive backs a few years ago when we drafted May and Jamal. And then we were sitting there, all right, now's our time to get a corner and solidify the back end of our secondary and he goes back-to-back wide receivers um, way too early, obviously. Both of these guys, and our Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen are not on the team. And, um, yeah, both of them ended up, you know, fizzling out, uh, per se. And, you know, there were uh, nickel corners and outside corners that the Jets could have had, um, you know, right then and there. But, um, you know, this year kind of almost seems like we're preparing ourselves to go after what the draft is offering us. And from what I can see, this is a really good offensive line class, and this is a really, really good um, cornerback class as far as, you know, some 
man guys, some zone guys, and some nickel corners as well. So I kind of feel like for the first time in forever, we're actually, you know, setting ourselves up to take what the draft gives us. Um, And that brings us to our next position here, and this will be our final offensive position that we'll talk about, and that's the tackle position. Um, Pretty easy here. Uh, Penny Soul, um, consensus number one. I have Rashawn Slater coming in at number two, and then I'm double dipping on Elijah Vera Tucker because the guy is versatile enough to play guard and tackle. He does both well. I have a feeling that he might be better suited for the guard position. It's my personal opinion. Um, some of, some other people seem to really think that he has what it takes to either play, you know, be a swing tackle, um, line up on the left side, the blind side, and an and easy fit on the right side. So, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker kind of moving up my personal board um, and somebody I'm kind of hoping that the Jets will have an opportunity at, at 23. But, um, you know, most teams, when you have good players, good prospects like that, they they don't usually fall that far. All right. To me, Alex, the top three, I know some people have said Penny Sewell has dropped down below Slater. I'm still putting Sewell at number one, Slater at number two, Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State, number three, who, uh, as as you just tweeted out, the Jets have met with. Um, Tevin Jenkins is a Oklahoma State guy, comes in at 315. Will he be there at 23? Maybe. And he's the guy that I look at and say, as I said, having warmed up to the idea of alignment at 23. Uh, yep. You there, Alex? Okay. I'm not sure, Glenn, if you're still talking or if we lost you. Maybe I got dropped. Uh, I'm hearing you. Are you not hearing me, Alex? Hello? You there, Alex? Glenn, you there? Okay, this is a rather awkward scenario here as I got dropped from the board and uh, called back in, and now I can't hear Glenn. Um, man, we were, we were plugging along and doing so well uh, <laughs> throughout this show, and here comes Blog Talk again throwing us a curveball. I'm not sure if you can hear me or not, Glenn. I cannot hear you. Okay, so you can hear me fine, but I cannot hear you. So that's perfectly fine. Um, what I'll do is I'll give you uh, my three takes um, for the Jets uh, on tackle. That was Alex Leatherwood, Tevin Jenkins, and Walker Little. Um, those would be my three fits for the Jets. Um, hopefully I'm not talking over you, Glenn, uh, but I will throw it back to you now. Okay, so <laughs> Glenn and I are chatting with each other. It looks like we're going to wrap up the show here. He might be closing it off. I might be closing it off. Hopefully this is not confusing for the listeners. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!